Welcome to Hall Talk. Life is filled with unexpected moments. Thank you for joining Jared Hall, a specialist in being a generalist, as he shares biblical insights and leadership lessons while curating stories. And now your host, Jared Hall. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hall Talk. I'm your host, Jared Hall. Welcome to season two. We're going to get started with our next season. And what's going to be different this season is, is that we're going to focus in on the book of 1st and 2nd Samuel. And we're still going to have our devotions. We're still going to have our Bible questions. We're still going to have our leadership pieces. And we're definitely going to still finish the month with our interviews. But all of our content will be focused from the book of Samuel. And then when we're done with Samuel, then we'll move on to season three. And so that's how we're going to do it. That's what's different. So I hope that you enjoy this week's devotional that is from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Have you ever been disappointed before? Abraham Lincoln in 1958 was looking at getting into the U.S. Senate. However, because of an obscure statute in the Illinois legislature, they sent Stephen A. Douglas instead. Now, Lincoln had won the popular vote. And and in this instance, he would have gotten there, but he didn't. And so a sympathetic friend asked Lincoln how he felt. And he said, like a boy who stubbed his toe, too big to cry and too badly hurt to laugh. Now, he would go on and win the presidency, and he would become one of the most famous and important presidents in the United States history. But on that day in 1958, Abraham Lincoln faced disappointment. And what's true for you, for me, And for everyone else in the history of the world is that life is filled with disappointment. There's all kinds of things from relationships to expectations to job opportunities to goals, children, you name it. Life is filled with disappointment. Now, what really matters is what we do with that disappointment. So I want you to reflect on that for a moment. When you're disappointed, what is your response? How do you handle disappointment? How do you process disappointment? In reality, it may not be very intentional or strategic. It may be more reactionary, but in reality, the most important thing we can ever do with disappointment is deciding how we respond to it. It's really, really important. So with that, I want to take a look at a character who faced disappointment from the scriptures, 1 Samuel 1, a lady named Hannah. So follow along with me. I'm going to summarize the first four verses. We're introduced to three characters. One is Hannah, as I mentioned. She has a husband whose name is Elkanah, and Elkanah has a second wife whose name is Penina. Now, the difference between Hannah and Penina is that Hannah is barren, and Penina has children. Now, what we also see here is that they would take annual pilgrimages to Shiloh, where the tabernacle was placed in order to make sacrifices to the Lord. And it seems that they did this regularly. Now, the most likely... Hannah is Elkanah's first wife, but because she was barren, then Elkanah married a second wife, Penina, in order to have children. 
Now, as we look at the book of Chronicles, it would seem that uh, in the corresponding passages, what we learn about Elkanah's heritage is that he's part of the Levitical priesthood, meaning he's part of the family that the Lord had directed that the priest would come from. And this would explain why he is so steadfast and making sure that he's going to the tabernacle to make sacrifices. It's, it's in his family's lineage to do this. Now, if we go to verse 5, it says this, But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. This is referring to the, uh, to the meat. Because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, this is referring to Penina, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, that's the tabernacle, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Now, notice what's happening here is, is that as they go to worship on these pilgrimages, Hannah is being taunted by Penina and Elkanah is trying to to love Hannah, but he's but he's missing the mark. And so what happens is is that every year Hannah is weeping and would not eat. So the commentary that I would share with this is is really important in terms of weeping. One in scripture and in life. Uh, there are two different types of weeping. One weeping arises out of personal sin. It's the result of mourning over our own failures uh, to, to measure up to the Lord's commandments or standards, or it's because we trespass, we, we violate his boundaries. And so uh, we weep because we've created a situation that is, that is sin, that is a problem, uh, where we've we've hurt somebody, um, or, or we've been hurt, but but it's the result of our own action. Then the other instance is is that we weep because we've been we've been hurt or placed in a devastating situation, and it's all outside of our control. It's not the result of our actions; it's the result of other people's actions, and and we're now in that situation. And so Hannah is in that reality. Hannah hasn't done anything wrong. Hannah hasn't sinned. That's not the result of why her womb's closed and the Lord's doing something else here. However, she is uh, with this other lady who was taunting her and, and she can't really get away from the situation. And so here she is. And so now we're going to see what in the world is she going to do in light of this very disappointing circumstance. Now, just just briefly, I want to mention that as we think about barrenness in the scriptures is that oftentimes we see uh, this is really the Lord at work. So uh, all three patriarchs' wives, um, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, uh, their wives, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, all were barren and then had children. John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, was barren. And so consistently throughout the Bible, there's this thread that if the Lord's closing the womb, something special is about to occur, but it's in his timing. All right, so let's pick it up back in verse 9. After they had eat, eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she said, Let your servant 
find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So I jumped just for you know from verse 10 to verse 18 there. And um, and what we see here is that Hannah is distraught. She's weeping bitterly. She's deeply distressed. And what does she do? She prays to the Lord. And then she asked to find favor in the eyes of the priest, Eli. And it says that she went on her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So take note of how praying allowed Hannah to regain her appetite. Now, we see that they rose early in verse 19 in the morning, worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Now, what's interesting here is that the use of the word remember when it comes to the Lord is not like when a, a person forgets something. So it's not like uh, when you forget your car keys and then you remember them. That's not how, it's not like the Lord's going, oh, oh, Hannah, that's right. You wanted a child. I'm sorry. I'm getting to it now. No, when the word remembers use, it's indicative of an action. That when the Lord remembers someone, it means that they're, he's not, he's going to act in favor of that person. He's going to act on their behalf. That's what it means to remember. And so in this situation, when they get back, uh, Elkanah and Hannah lay with each other. She becomes pregnant, and then they have a son named Samuel. And so here's the bottom line. Sometimes we weep before we're remembered. Sometimes we weep before we're remembered. Think about Joseph in the book of Genesis. Think about the fact that his brothers had initially thrown him into a pit, and then they were going to sell him into servanthood, and then he's arrested and thrown in jail, and then he helps, and still nothing. All all of Joseph's story looks like every time something has gone from bad to worse, it gets even worse. And then the Lord brings him out, sets him up, in second command to the Pharaoh. And his takeaway from this is, is, is that what you intended for harm, the Lord intended for good. And so even though there was deep distress, there was deep disappointment, the Lord remembered Joseph and acted on his behalf and established him. And so the truth is for you and I is that sometimes we weep. Sometimes we're disappointed before we're remembered before the Lord acts on our behalf. And in our in our human wisdom, and our perception of how timing should play out, there's always this temptation to think that the Lord should act ahead of our disappointment, not after our disappointment. But what the scriptures reveal to us is, is that the Lord's timing is perfect, and that there is a work that he's doing And it's necessary for us to move through that disappointment before he's going to act on behalf. Now, here's the second part. And prayer alleviates the suffering. Think about Paul and Silas in Acts 16. They've been arrested in the city of Philippi. They're in the Philippian jail. And what does it say they're doing in Acts 16.25? It says that they're singing hymns 
and praying to God. What are they doing to alleviate the suffering of being in prison? Praying and singing hymns. And so what we do in this time period between disappointment and the Lord acting on our behalf is very, very important. And what I'm saying is, is that the scriptural example we should follow is that we should be engaging with the Lord. Our temptation so oftentimes when we're disappointed is to become frustrated with the Lord, to look away from the Lord, to think that it's the Lord's fault. And what Hannah does here and what others do throughout the scriptures is that instead of rejecting the Lord, as we're so tempted to do, they lean into the Lord, recognizing he's the only place to go. He's the only person to go to. Trusting him and his timing and his ability to deliver and his ability to make things right, that which is wrong. And so if you're disappointed today, and this is outside of your circumstances, that I'm encouraging you, that it's it's okay to weep. It's okay to feel that distress. But go to the Lord. Don't turn away from the Lord. Engage the Lord. Pray to the Lord. Ask the Lord to remember you. Now, if you're weeping because you've created a mess of your life, then turn to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Go to the person you've wronged. Ask them for forgiveness. Do it as quickly as possible. Make the situation right. Don't don't wait on that. But I want you to be encouraged that if you've been disappointed, sometimes we weep before we're remembered. And prayer alleviates the suffering. Thank you so much for listening to Hall Talk. I'm your host, Jared Hall. This has been our week one devotion in 1 Samuel 1. If you would like to learn more about the scriptures from me, then I would invite you to reach out and check out an opportunity to join us in Israel. Or if you'd like to, join me at the Oriental Institute in the University of Chicago as things continue to lighten up in terms of the restrictions for the COVID-19 pandemic. We're able to do some more traveling and uh, two amazing places to learn about the scriptures and to study the scriptures is the Oriental Institute, the second largest museum of ancient Near Eastern artifacts in the world, really, really helps the Old Testament come to life. And then there's no better classroom than Israel. And we'll be headed there, Lord willing, in a year from now, uh, the end of April 2022. And so we'd love to have you consider joining us for that trip. We'll be going to places like the Sea of Galilee. We'll be sailing where Jesus walked. We'll be going to Caesarea Maritima, where Paul was imprisoned where Philip concluded his ministry and resided the rest of his days, where Peter leads the first Gentile to faith, and then, of course, we'll spend multiple days in Jerusalem. And we'll go to the Temple Mount. We'll go to where Jesus was crucified 
and resurrected. We'll go to the Mount of Olives. Oh, so much happens at the Mount of Olives. It's an amazing trip and it's an amazing opportunity to study the Bible. So we'd love for you to join us. But until next time, I hope that you have a wonderful week. Take care and bye for now. Thank you for listening to Hall Talk. Share your voice by leaving a comment or asking a question. Join the team by hitting like, subscribing, and sharing with others. As always, join us next time for more insights and conversations on Hall Talk.